In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. On July 3rd, we will be celebrating the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's very familiar because we meditate on that in the second joyful mystery of the most holy rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In light of having celebrated Trinity Sunday, I'd like you to revisit how you meditate on the Feast of the Visitation. How you meditate on that second joyful mystery. If we have an image, be it of sacred art or our own self-produced motion picture, we probably imagine Mary walking up and Elizabeth opening her arms and St. John the Baptist doing somersaults. There's probably a very important detail that we omit, not on purpose, but that's escaped our attention. Let me read it to you. Of course, we're in the Gospel of St. Luke. In chapter 1. And it came to pass... I'll back up a verse, two verses. And Mary, rising up in those days, went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, and she entered into the house of Zachary and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed art thou that hast believed, because those things shall be accomplished that were spoken to thee by the Lord. What's mentioned not only once, but twice, is that it wasn't the immediate physical presence of the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, body and blood, soul and divinity, the Word made flesh. That didn't prompt Elizabeth's heart to exclaim and John the Baptist to rejoice. It was hearing the Word that came from the Blessed Virgin Mary It was the voice of the mother of God that prompted them to rejoice and to exclaim. It's mentioned in the narrative by St. Luke. When Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And then Elizabeth herself says, As soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. But we also know that it isn't simply the voice of Mary. But her breath communicates the Holy Spirit to St. Elizabeth. It's the Holy Spirit that fills Elizabeth that prompts her to make this great act of faith. And not just act of faith, but adoration and worship of Christ in Mary's womb. That shouldn't surprise us. Mary already is full of grace. Mary already is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. With a modicum of maturity, we can understand how this Holy Spirit already is active everywhere and yet is really poured out in a unique way at Pentecost. Consider the first manifestation of our Lord's body to the apostles after his resurrection. So we're reading St. John's Gospel. We're reading chapter 20. When it was late, that same day, the first of the week, and the doors were shut, where the disciples were gathered together for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples therefore were glad when they saw the Lord. He said therefore to them again, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you shall retain. They are retained. Similarly, he is presented to them and immediately says, Peace, and breathes on them to communicate to them the Holy Spirit, and he shows them his body. He shows them his hands. He shows them the wound in his side. And he will do again the same a week later because St. Thomas, doubting Thomas, was not there on Easter Sunday. After eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Jesus cometh forth, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Put in thy finger hither and see my hands, and bring hither thy hand and put it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Our Lord presents himself to them, not silently, but speaking to them. 
and communicating to them the promptings of the Holy Spirit and saying, this is my body. This is where the blood flowed out of my wounds. Therefore, when we celebrate this solemnity of Corpus Christi, of our Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity, we are acknowledging something more than the physical fact that bread and wine are changed into the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. But a mystery is being revealed to us. It's not simply an event at which we are physically present, but a mystery is being revealed to us and is enunciated. It's the voice of Mary. It's the voice of our Lord. It's the voice of the church. And it communicates to us the Holy Spirit so that we can recognize him and rejoice in his presence and at the same time be humbled and repent of our sins and be overwhelmed with gratitude. How is it that this should be coming to me? How is it that the mother of my Lord should come under this roof? When the priest then is at the altar, acting in the person of Christ, he says those same words from the Last Supper because it truly is Christ who is our priest. And at the same time, he presents to you the body and blood of Christ as his mother did, as Holy Mother Church does. Mary presenting to you her baby. This is, this is him. This is my son. This is the king of the universe. When, when we communicate, we aren't receiving something holy. He is being presented to us by his mother. How would, how would we receive him when Mary is saying, here is, here is my little baby, and, he, and he's come to offer up his life for you? How would we, how would we cherish him and, and squeeze him and kiss him Our fear then should be, our fear should be cast aside.
when we come forward, having made an examination of conscience and concluding prudently that we are in the state of grace, there should be no fear, no hesitation, but, but joy and, and gratitude. We should, we should want to look at him. We should want to gaze upon him. Of course we're not worthy. None, none of us are worthy. Just yesterday, the bishop ordained five deacons who, God willing, will be ordained priests next year. Come Saturday, he'll ordain three deacons to the priesthood. One of the requirements for the job is knowing that he is not worthy. And then you, you have to get over it and do your job. And I say this partly on, on a practical matter. When we're at the altar rail and we're at, we have the opportunity, the blessed opportunity, to be peaceful and restful, knowing that our Lord is going to come to us. He is going to be presented to us by Mother Church. When he does come, please look at him. Because if you don't look at him gently, it means I probably have to go through some subterranean gyrations to find your mouth, whether it be under your hat or not, to be able to place our Lord reverently on, on your lips. Be, be, be willing to look at him. In fact, he presents himself to you and says, look here, this is me. These are my wounds. This is where the blood came out. You need to believe. Love me. Obey me. Follow me. Serve me. Rejoice with me. Be with me in paradise. So when we, when we know that those words are being spoken, and of the Eche, when we hear the words proclaimed, we hear the voice of our Lord. We hear the voice of St. John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God. We hear the voice of Blessed Virgin Mary greeting us. We hear the Holy Spirit making it possible for us to believe and to repent and to receive and to rejoice. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.